Oh, am I on? There we go. So I'm going to try to condense this this morning. Y'all know I like to talk, and I'm going to try to keep it brief because we're going to have a couple more songs that we're going to sing together. We're going to do the Lord's Supper as well. But I just want to kick off this year in this brand new series. Um, really this whole idea that we're in this year, we're calling it the year of discipleship. So you've heard me say it and pray it. My prayer is that this would be the greatest year of spiritual growth ever for every person in this church, uh, for us as a body of believers. And it really centers around and it springs out of us engaging with God through his word. And so throughout this year, for 52 weeks, we're going to take this journey into the Word of God. And uh, it's a series of eight sermon series. The first one for this, this first five weeks is going to be called uh, In the Beginning. And, um, you know, sometimes as pastors and leaders, we talk about the goal is life transformation. Like we want to see lives change. And I think we would all say amen to that, right? Um, I love to see people's lives changed and turned upside down. I hope this is a year when your life is turned upside down. But the goal is not life transformation. The goal is God. The goal is to get and to fall in love with God. Because if you get, am I going in and out? Am I okay? If, we, if you get God, you will, your life will be transformed. And so our goal this year is to get into the word of God and to let his word get into us. And so that Bible reading plan that we talked about earlier is a huge part of that. So today, today's sermon is called The Conflict That Changed the Course of History. The conflict that changed the course of history. You know, the Bible is one unified story that leads to Jesus. So if you grew up in church or maybe you grew up going to Sunday school, anybody do the flannel graphs growing up? Anybody? Tell me your age right now. Okay, you were there for flannel graphs. Um, so we know there's all kinds of stories, but the Bible is a collection of, of stories and historical events and different kinds of um, literature and genres and many authors, but it's one unified story that all leads to Jesus. And so what we're going to do today is we're just going to start at the very beginning of the story. We're going to start in Genesis chapter 2 and to kind of make things simple, because I'm going to do this pretty briefly. Here's the outline. And this is basically um, an outline that summarizes the, the beginning of the Bible. It's also a summary of really the entire story of God. And if we're being honest, it's really a summary of our entire lives. Here, here's the, the outline for you. God creates, sin corrupts, Jesus redeems. God creates, Sin corrupts, Jesus redeems. This is really the story of all of the Bible and all of human history. So let's talk about this first part. God creates. And for sake of time, uh, I'm not going to read in Genesis 1 or 2. Hopefully you're doing that or you will do that in your Bible reading time. But what we see in the beginning is that God creates. He is the creator and he creates the heavens and the earth and every living thing, every plant, every animal. He breathes life into with his very word. And then he creates man. He forms man with, out of the dust of the ground. And it says that he breathes the breath of life into to the, to man's nostrils. And he gives him a work to do. And he gives him a command to follow. And so what you see in those first couple chapters, this is kind of like a little side note that I wish we could take time for. But you see that God produces everything, or he creates everything to produce and you see this phrase that goes on and on throughout chapters one and two, that God creates according to its kind. You know what that means? Like everything he created, it reproduces after its own kind, okay? So um, a plant doesn't reproduce an elephant, 
all right? It, does, it reproduces after its own kind. And so when he comes and he forms man, okay, we don't, like a human doesn't produce, you know, a little otter, right? Or a snake. It, it reproduces little baby humans, right? We reproduce after our own kind. And this is important because when you move throughout the scripture and you move into the New Testament, in New Testament language, what we're called to do and what we're called to live for is to make disciples, to reproduce followers of Jesus, people who see the goodness and grace of God and follow him. And so we're called to make disciples. And so the reason that we're talking about this year of discipleship, the reason that we're wanting to dig into the word is we want to become more Christ-like so that we will reproduce what we are. Uh, parents, you get this, that your kids in a lot of ways are going to become like you are, right? Amen, yes or no, maybe, yeah, <laughs> depends, right? But some, I, I would guess that if we were to look at our life and say, okay, I want to reproduce a follower of Jesus that looks exactly like me, what would you say to that? You would say, mm. <laughs> in some ways, yes, in some ways, oh, no. So our goal is to grow in Christ-likeness through his word so that we will reproduce after our kind, which will be more God-honoring and more God-glorifying sons and daughters of God. And so we see this in, in, in the scriptures, and God gives Adam this companion, this, this helper to, uh, to assist him in this, this goal of, of multiplying and filling the earth with worshipers of God. And, you know, as God forms a woman out of, out of his rib, out of his side, and you see the first love song. Adam bursts out into this love song, this love poem, and, and we see in those first couple chapters that God establishes marriage. All right, the, the, the memory verse that we talked about, such an important verse in the culture in which we live where God created male and female and he brought them together. He did this very intentionally that he formed male and female on purpose and for a purpose. And, and, you know, Adam sings out because this is a glorious thing. So God creates. And I just want to remind you, at the beginning of 2022, this is such a basic principle as we go back to the beginning of Scripture. But God creates. And think about your life and every good thing, every good relationship, every good person that is part of your life and your, your family, every, everything that you have, the very breath that you have is because of a good, gracious creator God. And we see that from the very beginning, that God creates. But then we turn a corner in Genesis chapter 3, and we'll pick up in the scriptures there. We see that sin corrupts. And I want to read these first seven verses in Genesis chapter 3. Most of you all know the story, but here we go. Adam and Eve in the garden that God has created them, placed them in this garden. And here comes the serpent who is... The, the devil was taken the form of a serpent. And it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the tree in the garden. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, 
She took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And so we see in the beginning here that the serpent, God's enemy, comes along, and and he tempts them, and he lays out this bait, this trap for Adam and Eve, and they literally, they, they bite, right? They bite on the bait, and and. Here, here is the enemy who is questioning God's motive and God's word. And right here is where this conflict, the conflict that changed the course of history takes place. And we don't see it like out loud or externally. We just see Adam and Eve, man, they just took the fruit and they ate. But there was this inner conflict that was going on, this choice, this decision point that happened where Adam and Eve wrestled with this question. And the conflict, the question was this. Do I follow God? Do I follow his word? Do I follow his instructions? Do I follow his design? Or do I follow my flesh? In other words, do I follow my bodily appetites? Do I, do I follow what I want to do in spite of what God has said? This is the conflict. And we know the result. We know that Adam and Eve, they took of the fruit and, and I just want to show you quickly here. This is just something I saw in my Bible reading yesterday. I hadn't planned to talk about this. But back in Genesis chapter 2, and it's on the screen, and it'll say Genesis 1. It's actually chapter 2. I want you to see when God was, was creating man in the garden, it says in verse 8 of chapter 2, the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground, the Lord God made to spring up every tree. Now, make sure you pay attention to the description of every tree that God put in the garden. Every tree he put there, every tree that is pleasant to the sight, okay, so it looks good, it looks nice, it looks pretty, right, and it's good for food. So it looks good, it's tasty, right? Every single tree he put in there, and it says he put the tree of life in the midst of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So God's description, every tree put in there, it was good to the eyes, pleasant to the eyes, and it was good for food. Now, I want you, I want to fast forward to Genesis 3 that we just read. When we hear Eve talk here, it says, or when we hear this description, it says, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, did, is that, was, was that the design for those, those trees, every tree of the garden? Yeah, it said that every tree put in there was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes. So every tree that God put in there, was it pleasant to the eyes? Yes, but there's a third thing that it didn't say. It says that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. So you know what happened here is here comes the enemy and he says, he, he adds a little bit to it, right? He says, this is something, God's holding out on you. This is good for you. Take it. And, and what we see is that she followed the desire of her own heart. She disregarded what God had said. He created everything for the eyes. It was good for, for food. It was pleasant to the eyes, but she followed her desire. The conflict was, do I follow what God has said or do I follow my flesh? And what did she do? She followed her flesh, the bodily appetite, the bodily desire. And, and you know what the reality is? This is the conflict that changed the course of history. This is also the conflict that will change and shape your life from beginning to end every single day of 2022. Because dozens and hundreds of times per week, if not per day, you and I face this decision point. Do I follow God? Do I follow what he has said? 
or do I follow what, what I want, what my body wants, what my flesh wants, whether that's reacting to things out of anger or, or greed, whatever it is. Do I follow God or do I follow my flesh? And so as Adam and Eve, as they, as they turned to eat of that fruit, what they were doing is they were turning away from God, the creator. They sinned. And this original sin, we know it's called the fall. This is because all of creation, everything that God had made, fell victim to or fell into sin and brokenness. And sin corrupts everything. It corrupts everything. It damages relationships. It damages us. And it always comes with, with consequences. Ultimately, it separates us from God. So when we choose our own way, our sin separates us from God. It happened with Adam and Eve. It happens for you and me. God creates, sin corrupts. But here's the good news, is that God didn't leave them in this place. Here's the third part of the story is that Jesus redeems. Jesus redeems. And I want to go to chapter 3 and just read verses 8 through 15 because this is so important. We can't leave them there in this place because we see that Adam and Eve, they responded in the way that we all do to our own sin, right? They tried to hide. They tried to cover it up. But as you know, as we know, you can't hide from God. And we see as, as soon as they try to cover up their sin, they try to hide from God. Verse number eight, it says this, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, and pay attention to these words, he calls out and what's he say? Say it with me. Where are you? Where are you? Good job. <laughs> Where are you? And and he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. And the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. And on your belly you shall go, on dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So I want you to see this. Maybe you've seen this a hundred times. Maybe you've missed this. That as soon as Adam and Eve sin and they try to hide, they try to cover up their sin, God came after them. God comes after them. Now, like, listen, we, don't, we have no indication from the Bible that this was like, this was God's habit that like every day when like it got a little cool, he was like, hey, I'm gonna take a walk. I'm gonna stroll through the garden and uh, I'm just gonna take a little bit of a walk. And uh, I have this brother-in-law who's um, really in this active um, stage where he's like losing weight and he's working out and he's walking like six to eight miles a day. And I'm like, kudos to you. I hate walking from the parking lot into Lowe's. You know what I'm saying? He's walking six to eight miles a day. And I'm sure there's this, this routine, this pattern where he's, I'm assuming in the morning and the evening, um, there's no indication we have there. Like God is just walking along because this is what he does every day. He's taking his six to eight mile walk because it's cool outside and God doesn't like to sweat, whatever. So he's taking the stroll and all of a sudden he's like, 
oh, hey, this is where Adam usually hangs out. Like, no, 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 no. Here's what we know. Adam and Eve sinned. Adam and Eve hid from God. God comes calling out. And what does he call out? Where are you? Where are you? Adam, Eve, where yet? He comes searching for them. He comes looking for them. Now, the consequences of sin come, but the most amazing thing that we see here is God comes after them. And then we see the very first mention of the gospel in verse 15. The very first mention of the gospel, which is, there is coming a day when the woman's offspring, and you know who, who God was pointing to? Any guesses? What's the right answer always? Jesus. Some of you didn't go to Sunday school. You're like, I don't know the right answer. Jesus is always Jesus. He's pointing to this, this seed of the woman who, although the enemy would bruise his heel, and that was the crucifixion, man, this, this offspring, the Savior that we need, is going to crush his head. This was the first seeds of the gospel, that there is coming a Savior that is going to redeem all of your sin and all of your brokenness and all of your mess. This is the gospel. And this is the, the good news. This is the best thing we could start off 2022 with, y'all. Amen? It's the good news that Jesus redeems. That each time we sin, God's grace comes calling. Where are you? Where are you? Every story we encounter in the Bible whispers Jesus' name. It calls out to us and it calls us back to him. If, you, if you've heard of me, heard me talk about the three circles, I want to put it up on the screen. Um, it's just one of these tools that I love to reference. And it's really this, this whole story. God's design. It, God creates. He creates everything with a design, a specific intention and purpose in mind. But when we move outside of that, we sin and we move into a place of brokenness. But nothing that we do to try to get out of our brokenness, we can't be religious enough, we can't attend church enough, we can't give enough money, be a good enough person to make our way out of brokenness. And so we need the gospel. We need the good news that Jesus is able to redeem us. And so we repent and we, we, we move away from our trying to be good enough and godly enough and we, we, we receive the good news of the gospel. We just receive the good news. We repent of our ways. Then we can begin to recover and pursue God's good design for our life. So we see it in, in this, this whole diagram that God creates, sin corrupts, but Jesus redeems. And that's such a simple thing, but it's so foundational to all that we believe and all that we live for. And, and y'all, I don't know what 2021 was like for you. Maybe when Friday came and midnight came, you were like, see ya, I'm so glad you're over. We thought 2020 was bad. My 2021 was, maybe you were so looking forward to a new start and, and, and maybe, you know, maybe you, maybe your life was frustrating. Maybe it was disappointing. Maybe it was hard in 2021. Maybe you feel like you wasted some of your life. Maybe you lived for lesser things. I just want to remind you, as we start off a brand new year, that God created you for a purpose, on purpose, for a purpose, that your sin, my sin corrupts, it damages us. But that's not the end of our story because Jesus 
redeems. Though man sins, God redeems. And I love this, this verse. I don't think we have it on the screen, but Joel 2.25. I love this old verse in the Old Testament that says that the Lord says, I will I restore to you the years that the swarming locusts have eaten. I will restore to you what has been lost. This is the God that we serve, that he restores, he redeems, he is able to, to take our mess and bring something good and glorious out of it. And that is my hope for you. That is my hope for you this year that you will experience the goodness and the grace, the redeeming love of this God that we serve. And so what better way to start out this new year than to reflect on God's creation, his restoration. And we're going to do that through the Lord's Supper this morning. And so let me give a little bit of detail about this um, what this is, who it's for, how we're going to do this. This is going to be a little bit different than normal, and uh, it may not be all, all nice and tidy, and that's okay, all right? Nothing with kids typically is, okay? The Lord's Supper is this. It's a celebration, a remembrance of what Christ has done for us through his life and his death and his resurrection, the fact that he has redeemed us. And so this is a time for us to remember, to celebrate what he has done. Who's it for? The Lord's Supper is for all those who have expressed a personal faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord. So if you've put your faith in Jesus, you can participate today. For kids, um, some of them, I'm going to let parents discern this. Um, and, and if you're in the room, you don't have to participate in this with us. You can just observe. If you have questions about who God is, your relationship with him, man, please don't feel any pressure here. Um, and, and with kids, parents, you can decide if they're ready to take this or not. If they've expressed a personal faith in Jesus, man, include them in it. But uh, I would love for this to be more of a um, kind of a, a, a family thing. If you're a parent with your kids here, this is something, even if your kids aren't taking it with you, uh, I would encourage you as a family to get the elements and just pray with your family and thank the Lord for what he has done for you. Pray for this year. Um, pray for your kids that they would put their faith in Christ. And so this, this, this act of partaking of the Lord's Supper, it's for all who have put their faith in Jesus. And the scriptures are specific on how we're to do this. We're to first examine ourselves before we receive the elements. So examine yourself. That means to first to ask, have I put my faith in Christ? Am I a son or a daughter of God? If, if yes, then amen, hallelujah. But the next question is, do you have any sin that you're holding on to, that you haven't confessed, that you haven't repented of? If you do, this is a time to confess and repent to the Lord. Please do that before you take the Lord's Supper. And if you're not ready to do that, if you haven't done that, if you're not even sure about your relationship with God, again, please excuse yourself from, from joining us in this. But examine yourself and then receive the elements. So we eat and we drink, and these elements represent the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The bread represents his broken body, his body that was broken for us. And the juice represents his shed blood for the forgiveness of our sins. And so we take these to remember and celebrate all that he's done for us. And so I want to, again, invite you to make this more of a communal thing than, than maybe we normally do. Sometimes we just think this is just personal between me and the Lord. And this is the reason we do this together on a Sunday. It's meant to be done as the body of Christ, as the family of God. So um, if you have a spouse with you, uh, I encourage you to do it together. If you have your family, 
I'd encourage you to grab the elements and just take a moment to pray and take the elements with your family. Um, you can do it on your own. You can grab one or two other people. Um, you can just sit and observe. Um, do as you feel led to do this morning. But I want to read the scriptures. And in, in fact, I want to ask you to stand with me. And we're going to read 1 Corinthians 11. I'm going to read this and I'm going to give you an opportunity to come and, and grab the elements. So if, if you're doing it as a family or with others, um, if you want, maybe one of you can grab multiple um, grab the elements uh, for your whole family if you want, or have you all come together, however you want to do this, all right? Um, this is just time for us to worship the Lord together. And so 1 Corinthians, we're going to read out of, uh, starting in verse number 23, that says this, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. And let me pray, and then I'm going to give you an opportunity to come and grab the elements and participate on your own with another or two or with your family, all right? Father, thank you for coming after us, that though our sin corrupts, you redeem. And so, Lord, this morning as we come to this time, as we celebrate the, the body, the broken body of the Lord Jesus Christ, the shed blood for the forgiveness of our sins, we do this in remembrance of you. We proclaim your coming. And so, Lord, I pray for every person in this room. I pray for every, um, every couple, every family. God, that you would be honored and glorified in this time. And as we start this year, that we would do so in remembrance of you and your, your gracious, redeeming sacrifice for us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And so why don't you go ahead and come.